and I'll tell you guys since we're, since we're all friends. Every character I write has a piece of me in them. Hi, I'm Lee Bardugo. You're listening to The Grisha Cast. Welcome to GrishaCast, episode 108. In this episode, we will be concluding discussing the Historia Sanctia, the lives of saints. This is your host, Eric. And I'm Terry from Nashville, Tennessee. This is your podcast for all things Grishaverse. A world created by the one who said that the lives of saints was a love letter written for me, Lee Bardugo. Moi Savienyi casters. Hello. So... Let's say hi to some lovely people out there in some lovely cities. If you insist. Yes. First, we have Ermington, Australia. Woo. We've had a lot of Australia recently. I know. That's fantastic. It's fun. And then we're going to Culpeper, Virginia. Oh, that's fun. It is. I love that name. <laughs> I want to come visit you listeners in Culpeper and have so much fun. Just to Just say. take pictures with the signs and stuff. Absolutely. Yeah. It'll be so much fun. So, hey. Hi. Thanks. Thanks to you listeners for listening to me try to jumble up all that intro stuff. But, hey, I got through the words. You did. You did well. I did. So, yeah, this is this is yet another huge, momentous episode. We are concluding yet another <laughs> I know. We are just... We're just getting through them. We are. Which... Is really exciting because, you know, once we have officially gotten through them and you have officially read everything, then we get into the crazy like stuff. The crazy like stuff. Yeah, pretty much, you know, it's going to then be where you can't listen to those episodes unless you've read everything (laughs) because that's what we'll be discussing is like spoilers. Exactly. All spoilers. Tying it all together. Yeah, which is really, really cool. So, and yeah. I did say in the intro that it Lee Bardugo said it was a love letter written for me, but I should probably say that she did say that, but I don't mean specifically me. She probably meant me and everybody else, <laughs> even though I would like to think that she wrote it just for me, but yeah. <laughs> yes, she sat around and was like, you know what Eric would really like? That person I haven't met yet. <laughs> you know, I, I feel this energy coming from this like gay boy somewhere in Nashville or somewhere. Yeah. He's wanting to put on mm-hmm. a kefta and he, this is for him. He wants a world building book. So this is it. Mm-hmm. I'm going to do it. Thank you, Lee. I love it. <laughs> I couldn't, uh, the best present ever, ever, ever. So what you got going on? Anything special Tara? Um, not really this week. I don't think. Yeah. Um, the dating world has been crazy. <laughs> Is it ever I do, not? I do have I do have a date this weekend. Oh. Um I don't know. It is it's bonkers and it's crazy and I'm tired of 20-year-olds sliding into my DMs. I don't because we're I, not 20. <laughs> That's there's no problem with you 20-year-olds out there. It's just um there's a big age gap for us. Yes. Yeah. Yes. You are close to my son's age. So too close. Uh, <laughs> way too close. Um, I mean, I'm flattered. Yeah. I'm very flattered, but um, no thank you. Yeah. In the nicest way possible, no thank you. Absolutely. Well, 
But yeah, that's been crazy. I went to the drag show last weekend with a group oh, of people. Oh yeah, how was it? That was it was a lot of fun. It was it was a lot of fun. It was a very very small little venue. There were only okay. five girls. Were they um, girls that we knew at all? No, uh, uh-uh, no, 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 okay. no. This is very like bottom level, gotcha. entry level. Mm-hmm. Um, but it was a lot of fun because like everybody was having fun, and because mm-hmm. it was such a small venue, there was a lot of interaction, and um, it was a lot of fun. Their dressing room was literally this little uh, where they just set up uh, little room dividers. Yeah. <laughs> And I was sitting a right cubicle. behind it. Yeah, basically. And I was sitting right behind it. So um, I had a hard time paying attention to what was going on because I could just hear all the banter <laughs> behind the thing. Like, girl, my weave almost fell off. Like, it was just. I wish I could have been back there. That, that was would, hilarious. That is a show. I would love to be back there. And, and one of the girls just basically came around and, like, fed me um, Lifesaver gummies the whole night. She just ooh. kept coming over and, like, and. And she would just stare at me, and I'm like, hi, do you want a dollar? <laughs> I love drag queens. Yes, They're it was so amazing. It was a lot of fun. And one of the drag queens' husbands was uh, sitting next to me, and he um, had a little too much to drink. Oh. Um, and he just got, like, loud <laughs> and boisterous. Mm-hmm. And uh, I, I can't say everything on oh. air, so I'll have to tell you afterwards. But um, it was a lot of fun. It, I actually really did enjoy it. That's awesome. Well, I don't get out much anymore. Um, so I feel you, girl. <laughs> I almost canceled <laughs> going out because going out. Um, but I'm glad I didn't. And I, I stuck it through. And I actually did have a good time. It Yeah. And it sometimes after you've had like a long gap of doing something like that, um, it's hard to get back in to that like i'm i'm sure that if you and i went back to go see the girls that play it would sound exhausting because it's not really interested in going to play really yeah you don't want to see like it's play that's that's my problem it's not the girls it's it's Mm. it's play that's my it's my issue yeah but i really want to see how the princess is and i love watching the girls there so i mean anyways well, well, you know, princess, and I got beef, so. I forgot. <laughs> That's right. So I might not be, might not be yeah. swimming over there all that quickly. Yeah, Terry, I love you. I love that you. I get into, <laughs> I get into things. Our favorite drag queen. <laughs> like, you say one line and somehow that really threw it over. Uh-huh. Which, by the way, is a little much, to be honest. It was very dramatic. Yeah. But. What do you expect? There, I I have talked to some people about that, and again, things I can't say on the yes. air, and I will tell you off the air. But um, but it's not just me. So okay, yeah. <laughs> but I want to see um, Vanity. Mm-hmm. I want to see Vanity get on RuPaul's Drag Race. I think she will. Like she's been trying. Yeah. So we need to like write letters to RuPaul, like tweet RuPaul. Instagram RuPaul say you want to see Vanity from Nashville. Vanity has grown a lot. Yes. uh, Because I feel like when you and I first met her and then there was just all of a sudden, like, it was really cool to watch her grow. And she grew in a really short period of time, too. Yes. And oh, she's amazing. See, I haven't seen a drag show since, like, COVID. The last time I went was with you. So, like, I have. It's been a while. Yeah, it's. 
I can't even remember what I know that Vanity. I started loving her performances and everything more, but I can't remember it. We, yeah. Well, next time I'd go to this <laughs> upstairs drag show, yeah, I will invite you. <laughs> Please do. I need it. I need. It some... was a lot of fun. You saw the pictures, didn't you? No. Oh, okay. Mm-mm. Did you post them on? I did. See, that's the problem. Like I you don't get on Facebook. I don't. No, I don't. I am um, very, very rarely. Um, I just, I don't, I just don't do it anymore. But well, that's so, like really the only place that I ever <laughs> post anything, really. Um, mm. But I'll keep talking, I guess, so that you can look at that. Don't go scrolling because you I won't, won't know what you're gonna find. But, um, but yeah, we had a good time. These are the girls. Yes, that is incredible. Yes, it was. It was so much fun. I love. And then afterwards, they all look. What he's looking at is a picture. Um, uh, where the girls came out at the end, and you could go up and like just kind of hang out and talk. And so, uh, me and two of the other girls in the group got up and took fun pictures with them. I love the yellow hat in the back. Yes, cute. Yes. So. So yeah, it was. It was a lot of fun. Well, good. Yeah. Well, you know, speaking of going out, I'm really excited because my lovely husband, producer, and I are going on a date night. I'm so excited for you. I know because we've done this before, but you know what we've done? That means that Caden stays at his grandmother's and we, we've we stayed at home and then we're just so exhausted yeah. that we just really kind of just chill and end up re- like. I'm reading or he's like, it's just so. No, you guys need to hang out. Yeah. And what's exciting is what we're doing is something that's getting out, us out of the house. We're going to see the Van Gogh in, immerse yourself. The, immersion uh, experience. Thank you. You're I don't even know what it's called. Yeah. <laughs> I knew it was like immersion. That looks something. so cool. I'm totally jealous. And you're going to have to tell me everything. Yeah. They, um, I guess it was such a big hit that they added some more dates to yeah. it. So it's here longer. And, um, but there was like the sale going on and what was really neat. I just, I don't think they thought a lot of people would buy these tickets because it's at 10 PM, which yeah, is the last time. Let me add that I'm an early bird. Mm. And so when I was told about this, I was really excited. And then I saw the time and it's a 10 o'clock show. I'm like, that's great. Have fun. I'll be on the couch asleep. Oh, honey. No, you no. need to go. This You'll is, have to drag me through the thing in, in a wheelbarrow or something. It will be so much fun. The reason I got them is because I think that's, I feel like just that time itself is romantic. I mean, you know, that's cool to go and do that. Like, go see an art exhibit at 10 p.m. at night. It'll be okay. I'll drive home. You can sleep Take on the way nap. home. Yeah. You'll have to drive there, too, I think. <laughs> okay. I will. Um, would you like me to wake you up right before we go in? Yeah, please do. <laughs> okay. Well. This is romantic already. Yes. We're going to definitely change this because we're going to definitely be going to get something to eat before. You're going to be awake for it. You know what? You can have some drinks and no. I'll drive you. No. Oh, no. Yeah, no. you're right. Then he will pass out. <laughs> that makes him sleepy. I'll that- admit for all of our listeners, I am an extreme lightweight. Mm-hmm. Um, I can be next to someone having an adult <laughs> beverage and be ready to go to bed. Yeah. But you are one of... You are my favorite person drunk. Like, I mean, okay, hold on. That came out weird. I didn't mean for you, me to say you are my favorite person when you're drunk. I'm saying you are my favorite 
Drunk? No, but then not saying you're drunk. Okay. Uh, I hate him when he's sober. I no. get what you're saying. <laughs> no, drunk you're, people. You're cute when you've had a couple You things. are. Like, you get all, like, teddy bear, sleepy-eyed. Yeah, you're adorable. <laughs> and it's one of, you are, I love to see smile you. You a smile on his face. And you turn red. It's so cute. It's, it's amazing. One of my favorite pictures um, was at, when we went to that event at the Parthenon. And uh, I don't know where you went, <laughs> or maybe you were the one taking the picture. I don't know. Oh, where everybody was wearing yogas. Togas. Yes, we were wearing yogas. Yes. <laughs> and I like was I'm pouting at Chris, and Chris has drunk face. <laughs> it's one of my favorite pictures ever because it's <gasps> I so know cute. What you're talking about yeah, it's really cute. It is. Yeah. Yeah. So you know what, listeners, I will see if I can snag a photo next time. And um, I'll see if I can find if I can dig through and find that yoga picture. Yeah. <laughs> and I'm so glad that like, so I'm excited. It's going to be fun. Mm-hmm. Our, we deserve a date night. We haven't done that. Yeah, in a while. you do. And it's going to be a really nice experience, whether Chris is awake for it or not. It is going to be really dark in there. It will so be. That- so by the way exactly what i'm worried about it's a light it's like lights and everything it's everything's like it's a it's but like it's everything's dark pro- with everything with things like projected on the wall yes well i hope it's loud too so to keep me awake well i don't know about that but i did think it was at the frist it's not no no it's a traveling show it's um it's at a place that i've never been to in bell mead I know. At first, I thought I like got like some bad tickets, but then I looked it up. It is like an actual place, a performance place. But that makes sense because I couldn't imagine them trying to do that at the first. But no, they typically like rent out like a warehouse type place to do that. Yeah. Well, for those listeners that have seen the show, I'd love to hear what you think about it because I know it's been very popular and um, it's going to be really cool. So. Anyways. And for those listeners who would like to go Saturday night and see me sleepwalk through the Van Gogh, we'll see you there. Actually, he won't be sleepwalking. He'll be in a wheelchair and I'll probably be pushing him. Aww. Because I'll push you through it. Aww. <laughs> well, you need to hire someone to push both of you so that he can be on the wheelchair and you can be in his lap and then it'll be romantic. Hey, Aww. Terry, what are you doing Saturday night? <laughs> no, it's stop. I am not being a third wheel. That's what no, I'm doing. No, just come keep me awake. <laughs> Hey, what what do you think I can do? You'll need somebody to talk to between my snoring. I talk to you. I know. I know you don't listen, but I do talk to you all the time. You probably just start paying attention to something else. Or it, snoring. It's what? That, exactly. Yeah. That high-pitched quacking in the, like, distance, quacking. that's me. I feel like I always sound like a duck for some reason. I don't know. I know I don't. I guess I I just... Yeah. You know how you hear, like, you hear yourself for the first time record. Like, I hate hearing my recorded voice. I don't know. I I, I can't stand it. Um, I think I've gotten better since we've been doing our podcast, Mm -hmm. but I used to absolutely hate it, like, insanely. But, yeah. Yeah. I'm the vain person (laughs) that likes it. So, yeah. You have a good voice. Well, thank you. Yeah, I mean, we do have good. We're we're here. We've got people listening, apparently. So they are listening to the sounds of our voices. Yep, and they've been listening to us just dragging on talking about our lives. But we love you all. So thanks for hanging in there for this <laughs> fifteen minutes. Um, 
I hope you all are excited that we're going to conclude this. And, you know, let's get on in to the lives of saints. Okay. Okay. So, hold on. I got to turn my page. You got to turn your pages? Yeah, because I like to look at it. Um, so, the first saint we have it halved yep is sanct gerasim the misunderstood yes and luckily like i listened to ben barnes read the audio of this so that's how you say that i want to listen to ben barnes the audiobook is incredible because... i love the sound of his voice so much okay my voice cracked as i was saying that because i enjoy his voice so much well he reads every male saint and yeah in this book so oh it's incredible anyways so going on sankt girasim is this young he's a young monk and that has taken a vow of silence and he's been actually under this vow of silence for like 50 years never saying anything and when he's 70 years old um, he decides that he's going to say farewell to his friend monks at the monastery, and he's going to go and travel, you know, have a world tour, you know, travel the world. He's only been, he's the only thing he's seen his entire life is this monastery. So he's like, you know what, I'm going to get out there. And, you know, I don't say anything, so it'll, it'll be fun. So he goes out and goes across the true sea and sees, like, all these extraordinary things. And when he returns, the duke who happens to own the land that the monastery is on wants him to come and tell him in his court about the journeys and everything that he saw. However, Gerasim is like, uh, I don't speak. Like, I still do this vow. So I don't want to. Well, duke don't like that. So the duke calls an abbot. Who would be an abbot, by the way? Like, I mean, just the, a head monk? I have no idea. You don't know? I, I, I don't know. I was just wondering if you did. Um, I'm Because, sh- I, yeah, the Duke calls upon an abbot. It has, it's definitely, I think it's somebody, somebody high up on that matriarch, maybe. Um, you look that up. I'll keep talking. Um, <laughs> so he tries to get the abbot to go and talk to Garrison and like convince him and um oh you're I see you are you nodding oh no uh-huh. okay. male head of a monastery okay yeah so exactly what I thought the principal of a monastery yeah perfect so yeah the abbot then is like trying to convince Garrison and is like look please like I mean I one the saints will forgive you for speaking and two we don't know what could happen if you don't because the duke owns this land well garrison also starts to like realize that he since he hasn't spoken in 50 years he doesn't really think he knows how to anymore but he wants to still help his monastery and his brothers so he asks for I don't know how he asks. He doesn't. He, he he waves his hands and has people bring him some paint and brushes. And what's he do? He just starts painting. And he paints this magnificent, like, mural that is in the Duke's home. It's in the Grand Hall. 
and it's just all the like the beautiful places he's been and there's so much to it let me read this part so he gestured for paints and brushes to be brought to him and there in the grand hall of the duke's home he painted a mural that stretched from floor to ceiling and wall to wall it showed the prairies and ports of Noviazem, the crowded harbors of kerch the mists and stony shores of the wandering isle it showed creatures of every shape and size, orchard blooming with unfamiliar fruit, men and women in all manner of dress and finery, and in the very last corner, the Duke's gracious palace. Gerasim painted himself and the abbot standing before the Duke and Duchess, both the nobleman and his beautiful wife dressed in gold. End quote. So, sounds like a gorgeous painting. And sounds like a big painting. <laughs> um, it's then mentioned that this painting is so phenomenal that if you look at it, it almost seems like the clouds are moving within it and that the colors are just so bright that the saints must, must have helped guide his hand. However, after he does this beautiful piece of artwork, uh, the Duke and Duchess are not happy with what? the way they have been like painted depicted yeah they're not happy with how they look in this artwork so that's very like renaissancey yeah well because they execute him for it <laughs> and you know what he still doesn't say a single word even like as he dies however unfortunately we do like a little update the monks were commanded to leave their home and the monastery was destroyed. And hey, I just might as well read this to the end. It's stones used to build a new wing of the Duke's palace. So hey, real quickly, what I kind of paused there. The monastery got destroyed and they used literally the stones from that monastery to build a new wing for the Duke. How nice. I mean, beautiful. <laughs> Ten years later, while the Duke was hosting a lavish feast, an earthquake struck. Neither the old palace nor the new wing were harmed, not a stone shaken, except for the wall bearing Gerasim's mural. It collapsed, killing the duke and the duchess and all their guests, bearing them beneath the old monk's wonders. Gerasim is known as the patron saint of artists. Cool story. It's it's definitely different. I mean, it. I I do find it a little weird that... You know, the Duke and Duchess are, they're really vain. I just, I mean, obviously. Yeah. But anyways, cool story. <laughs> um, besides that, what's really cool, let's take a look at that illustration, YouTube viewers. So I r really love this picture because of the way it's just like, I like pictures that have like, I don't know. What is the word I'm looking for? Not circular, but like it's um, everything's just mapped out perfectly on it. I symmetrical. Symmetrical, yes. But it's a, not symmetrical. Well, yeah, okay. So I mean, not totally. No, it's not. But I guess there's another word that I'm looking for that's very similar to symmetrical when it's not symmetrical. <laughs> okay, <laughs> listeners, hang on. Don't worry, I'm gonna get through this. So let's just look at this picture. It's very bright and yes. by the way it's one of the more colorful ones in the book it is and what we've started to notice i think through this is the pictures we're using 
from the ebook are a lot brighter and easier to see mm-hmm. than the actual illustration in the book. Um, I think it's really cool. How, so we get to see his mural, and he's standing in front of a doorway, right? Is that like a yeah. doorway or a mirror or something? Yeah. And he is standing in front of it, and he's got a big old white beard, and he's got his finger in front of his mouth saying, shh. And he's holding three brushes. And then you just kind of see surrounding the door, the mural. And one thing that I wish they had done is just been more specific. I wish they almost like just did showed the mural itself because like some of those are like, it's just, it's not, I wanted more detail. It's just, it's too small. But anyways, I don't, do you think that maybe up in the right-hand corner is the Duke and Duchess's path? That's what I would assume. Yeah. That that's like their property. Yeah. Uh, and see, I wish we could see them standing there in their gold outfits. Mm-hmm. But anyways, it's really cool. It's pretty. Yeah, it's um, very pretty. So it's a gorgeous picture. Okay. So moral of the story, karma is a biosh. Uh, yeah. Mm-hmm. You're going to, I mean, if you're mean and rude, things will come they do. I believe in karma, absolutely. Yeah. Um, the customer is always right. I hate that line, but I'm just saying well, in this story. Ta- it was taken out of context. Yes. It, the, the quote was not, it didn't stop there. It was, the customer mm. is always right in matter of taste. Oh. So it was, it was when the department store started opening. It was, if a customer wants red lipstick, she gets a red lipstick. That was... The context for the customer is always right. Wow. It's not like just like everything else. They twisted it to make it sound yeah. like something else. But I never knew that. There you go. So they left off the like most important part. The contextual part. Yeah. Yep. In a matter. So it's um the customer is always right in a matter of taste. In matter of taste. Wow. Yep. Okay. <laughs> so for those of you servers out there. Hey. I hear you. I feel you. Because I've had that said to me so many mm-hmm. times when serving. Like, it's like the customer's well, always in right. In any sort of service industry, you always hear that the customer's always right. Well, nope. Sorry. No, they're not. <laughs> and the unfortunate thing is the customers that know that you do uh-huh. that and do things on purpose and, like, know you have to. Well, I'm the customer. I hate it when I, I – oh, my God, this used to infuriate me. When something would go wrong at a table – and they would just expect automatically that you were going to comp everybody's meal for free or something. And, like, I understand fixing and comping some things. But when one person, like, had to, like, I don't know, wait one extra minute for their meal to come out. And they're like, I think we're going to need to speak to a manager. And then they think everybody's meal need to be comped. Like, there's so in- insane people. And then there's just people out there that I think literally just you can never make happy and go out to eat and just on purpose drive people insane yes and try to get free meals Mm -hmm. there actually was a a couple at a restaurant i'm not going to say which one that they had to ban from coming because they kept doing that every time they came in they would something would happen where they'd end up getting a free meal and finally they caught on doesn't surprise me no okay so let's continue with the moral of the story um Eh. i don't know um we already did that yeah that's it (laughs) there we go okay so 
I mean, do you have anything to no. add? No? Okay. So now Grisha order, Easter eggs, references, all that fun stuff. He is definitely a material guy. Yeah, clearly Durst. a fabricator. Yeah. I mean, because of how the mural is described. Yeah. Um, and also because of an earthquake. Yeah. So, yeah. Yeah. All in fun. A fun story. Mm-hmm. And, ooh, okay, well, that's it for me for right, right now. And now we get to the juicy part, guys. I know. Now <laughs> we've hit the... The crescendo of the story. All right. You know what's funny is you always say the crescendo, which is the right word. And I always, when you're not here, if or if I'm talking to somebody else, I try to say crescendo, but I say climax. Oh well, I mean, it's accurate. It is. I have, but I think crescendo sounds a lot better. Well, I always say the denim all, um, and no Ooh. one has any idea what that means. So, <laughs> so is that? I'm guessing the crescendo. Basically, that's. That's where the story picks up. Okay. You know, the <laughs> Tori Amos, not tonight, Josephine. She says that in there. Oh, wow. Yeah. All right. <laughs> Enough about I'm words. learning a lot today. Well, you're welcome. Thank you. So Sancta <laughs> Alina of the Fold. Ooh, we know yes. her. Okay. But this is one of those stories where it's not about... The saint. It's surprising. Yeah. So there was a countess whose husband died by getting drunk and racing into a war. <laughs> she opened her fancy pale apricot painted summer home as an orphanage. I, for some reason, just the pale apricot just sparked my, I don't know. Are you wanting an apricot right now? No, just the color. I like the the the, the color. Anyway. Thinking about it on a house? Yeah, or just the color in general. Hmm. Um, so she didn't have any servants. So the children were made to earn their keep, but they weren't supposed to tell anyone about the work they did. So it's kind of like a Miss Hannigan Annie situation. Kind of. Sounds like it. Um, at night, they would whisper, be careful, be careful, or mother will take you to the garden. Because when a child displeased her or even sang off key... Ooh. A child would vanish. She's tough. Yeah. She's she's not very nice. So little Clava, though, had seen the countess take children through the roses, past the hedge maze, maze, hedge maze, that's hard to say, and through a door in the garden wall. The truth was that the countess had no money, so she was selling off the kids, <laughs> as oh. one does. Yeah. One, <laughs> one night, Clava had an inkling that it was time to go since the countess was getting more and more fussy. She told the rest of the orphans that she was escaping and she convinced them all to go with her. When they got to the other side of the lake, they heard the countess and her dogs. Uh, she knew they were gone and she was like, coming after them. So the, the children ran deeper and deeper into the forest until they were lost and knew that they would never make it out. Aww. So Clava, as she's running, um, getting like, you know, she's she's barefoot and she's crying and she's praying to Sancta Alina. And she says, Alina, the bright daughter of Crimson, slayer of monsters, save us. There was mm -hmm. no sound. There was no warning. But the orphans saw a gleam of light like a rainbow in the sky. They followed the rainbow that led to a farmhouse. And the old widow inside hid them so well that when the countess demanded to look around with her dogs, they were nowhere to be found. Mm -hmm. 
So without her free labor, the countess's home fell into disrepair and the rosebuds consumed the house. The quote says, it said the countess was trapped inside and became more thorns than woman. I'm so glad you quote, said that. Which of, is a fun quote. Isn't it? It is. It's beautiful. It is. Uh, so Clava stayed behind to help the widow while all the other children went off to their new futures. And Alina is the patron saint of orphans and those with undiscovered gifts. Aww. So... First thing we need to do before we talk about a thing that I found <laughs> is look at the illustration. Ooh. So real quick reminder, peeps, like we have to remember this book is the very first book that we ever got that had like images of yeah. our characters. And this it was, is where we were basing off of. Yeah. These were the first keftas mm-hmm. that we kind of saw. And I mean, it and was, the, the show is close. It is, and, like, this was just, it was really exciting. So, So in the illustration, we have Alina. Yeah. She's, she looks like she's kind of on, like, a, what is it, Aria Borealis, whatever that's called. Oh. Uh, You know what I mean? Yeah. (laughs) I don't remember the first word, but it's, like, Borealis. Borealis. I used to know it. I know, Um, me too. It's A-U-R. Um. But then she's got a big, bright burst in her right hand, and she's got the cool, like, thorny crown thing going on. Aurora Borealis. Yes, Aurora. How can How I we, forget I know, Aurora? That's our, I know. That's what I was just thinking. What I was like, wait a minute. That's our, fa- heck? that's our favorite Ugh, fairy tale. I hate myself right now. I do, too. Because, like. <laughs> like I'm really aggravated. Like, that's going to keep me up a little bit tonight. Okay. Um, <laughs> well. But she has her blue kefta on. And it's interesting that, like, instead of the orphans or, like, Clava, we have Alina, even though Alina's, like, not mentioned very much in the actual story. Yeah. Um, it, it It's interesting. However, like, some of these stories did that, you know? I mean, some yeah. were specific. Yeah. Like, um, Grigori. Mm-hmm. It was his picture on there, but he, was it Grigori? No, no, no. Juris. Juris is who I'm thinking of. Yes. He wasn't part of the story except for they prayed to him. Yeah. And he his picture was, was in there. Which so. is very much like, you know, um, scripture text often has those points where, like, they'll – it shows about someone's experience yeah. um, of, like – and that's what I think is really cool that they did with this because – Honestly, when I saw I was about to read this for the first time, I was expecting to read something kind of neat and cool, new about Alina. But I love that it just told somebody getting how her help, like, saved them. Yeah. And I love that in this image that it's that rainbow that they were seeing, you know? I mean, I never... Whenever I think about Alina's powers, I just think about bright lights and, like, I mean, just sun. I don't ever think about the rain, a rainbow part of it. But in this story, we had a rainbow that they kind of saw. Mm-hmm. So I love that you can see that. Can you see the Volcra that are, like, hidden in the – like, there's one in the very top right corner. Oh, yeah. There is and there's there. one below her foot. Oh, yeah. And then there's, like, blood down there. Which is – So that's the fold. It's, yeah, it's definitely it's out in the fold, yeah. Yeah. Um, but she's got the white hair. Mm-hmm. So. Yeah. She's, I mean. Huh. But anyway, yes. Yeah. That's cool. 
Yeah, it's a huge, she's got that huge, like, headband. I know, like, how do you live with that thing on? I would yeah. constantly be hitting my head in the doorways and stuff. <laughs> yeah. So anyway, um, we know, we know about Alina. Yeah. We know. Everything? We know literally everything. So, I mean, the only thing really is, like, the moral of the story. Uh, don't be mean to kids. Yeah, um, <laughs> exactly. I mean, yeah, but like, there's no need to talk about like her order and Easter eggs because if we were going to talk about Easter eggs, it would take us like five. And we nights. know all those. I mean, yeah, it's um. So I will say, as I was researching it, because that's what I've been doing. Mm. Aren't you proud of me? I am. Um. So this story is. Oh, I do have a question though. Do you think that the rainbow? Like, came from Alina. Do you think that, like, she's sitting somewhere and she's hearing these people's prayers and she may... I don't think so. Mm. I think Clava was a sun summoner. I agree with you. I don't think that Alina... It, I mean, because we know what Alina's doing. Right. And Alina doesn't have her powers anymore. Right. She doesn't have her powers. And she's sitting in an orphanage herself. Yeah. Like, she's as actually a- the the owner of the orphanage. And see, that's where I thought the story was going to go. That, yes. But it didn't. Right. Um... So I think since she's the patron saint of those with undiscovered powers, I think that that's a hint to it being Clava. Yeah. That's a sun summoner. Absolutely. Yeah. And um, that line that you and I loved at the end, talking like that made me automatically think about Sleeping Beauty, to be honest. Yeah. Like I just, yeah. So. So the little thing, the little tidbit of information I found is that this story is very, 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 almost precisely like a manga cartoon called The Promised Neverland. And Lee is a huge fan of Promised Neverland. Really? So that's where this came from. Okay, so uh, real quickly, I thought it was pronounced manga. Am I wrong? Okay, heard, I was just like, my kid would kill me. Like, I don't, I, I've always heard manga, but... Hey, I like manga. It sounds like whatever. mango, so... And I love mango. I'm sure somebody that actually knows can tell us, and that would be... Well, they get... I'm sorry, but our kids, like, you know, they're at that age where they get so smart. They're like, uh, it's... Mon- right, yeah. So, okay. I was so, just protecting us from our kids. <laughs> so, yeah, but it's a, um, it's a Japanese series. Cool. Um... I think it's. I think it's on Netflix. Is it? I'm I feel like sure. I've se- I, I. It's older, but I think I've seen that it's available. Like I think you can watch it on Netflix. But it's it's a series uh, that follows a group of orphan children in their plan to escape from the orphanage after hearing the dark truth behind their existence and the purpose of the orphanage. Wow. Yep. That's really cool. I know. I found a tidbit. I was so excited. I'm so proud of you. Thanks. So. Uh, I'm- I'm a detective. You sure are. <laughs> oh, let me get you a little badge. I have one. Do you? I do in the car. <laughs> oh, my God. Long story. Anyway. Yes. <laughs> I, I want to hear. So get ready for our big, big crescendo. <laughs> okay. So we'll discuss that at, at the end of this. That's what I realized. Um, okay. So the next saint is the starless saint, which... By the way, notice it does. It's not Sancta or Sancta. There's not. not it's not that. It is no, the Starless Saint. Yeah, and that's what they call them in the books. 
they do. But I just think that's definitely interesting because, I mean, you know, when you become a saint, like, they've made mm-hmm. it very clear throughout this book, Sancta and Sancta, and, yeah. Well, yeah, but there was a whole question as, like, is he a saint or isn't he? Right. So. Okay. So, this story is incredible. Um, get ready. Well, you've already read it, but. I'm ready. Okay. So, this is. This takes place in Novo Kribirsk, um, which is that little town on the other side of the fold. And we are introduced to a man or boy named Yuri. What? Yes, that is right. When I read that, I pretty much almost pooped my bed because, like, <laughs> that was exciting and so clever. So... Yuri is um, obviously our character that we know, but this is some background on him. So Yuri, went, his parents sent him to go and live with his uncle in Novokribir so he could learn how to, like, work and, you know, get a, like, earn a living. Um, because he was one of the, like, a peculiar, a peculiar kid. Um, and his parents, unfortunately, like, I, I hate this line, but it's just, like, Pretty much they were excited that um, Yuri was going to do this because they feared that Yuri would um, talk his way into a monastery, leaving them to the mercy of time and age. Like, we want you to go do this so to make sure that you can take care of us. We don't like you. But um, anyway, so he's there. Um, and his job, unfortunately, doesn't really suit him. He is working on the dry docks. And... He works, he's like a slim, he's tall, but he's very slender. He's got glasses. Um, he's a little clumsy. And um, everybody they worked with, I'm guessing, are these huge burly people that just, because um, it's unloading and loading sand skiffs, even maintaining them. It's just, you know, I mean, I couldn't be one of those people that like throws luggage on a plane or takes it off. Um, so I uh-huh. very much relate to this with Yuri. Um, however, um, Yuri's trying, he's like, he's, he's trying, he's just, he's not great at it. And the coworkers work, um, kind of pick on him, but worst of all, it's his uncle. His uncle picks on him the most. Um, like if he messes up, if he stumbles, smack him and like say really rude things to him. Um, and he's just not a nice guy. Um, Unfortunately, he's even worse than you think. He happens to actually, like, beat Yuri as well at home. Um, And his uncle, um, I want to read this line. When Yuri mumbled prayers, prayers disturbed him. He'd stick out a foot at Yuri, and Yuri would go tumbling. At home, his uncle's hands often became closed fists. He laughed when Yuri walked to church on Sundays, and said the saints had no interest in a man who could not work for a living. So, obviously we know that Yuri, like, he's still, he's really fascinated by reading, he's fascinated by these books, um, and I didn't mention this earlier, he taught himself how to read, and he, he loves reading about the saints, and he definitely believes in them. Um, however, I mean, nobody around him really cares and 
unfortunately, one day when Yuri was like studying in the church, I'm guessing when he was done at the dry docks, he accidentally fell asleep. And when he woke up, it had become nighttime. So he runs home and he prepared his uncle's food late. Um, So he beat him until his fists were tired. So that's horrible. And also like, I just, anyways, it's sad. The next morning, Yuri like woke up and he, it was insane. Like probably the worst feeling he'd felt. He, I, I don't think it had gotten beaten up that bad. He could barely move, could barely get out, like even stand up. But his uncle said, if I don't see you at the dry docks, this will happen again tonight. Yuri's first thought was, I will not survive that. So he like, he crawls and drags himself across the floor and gets some porridge to eat and limps himself down the street um, trying to get to the dry docks. Um, So this last part I'm going to read just because it's better that way. (laughs) Um, He dragged himself across the floor. He forced himself to dress and eat a bit of porridge. He limped down the street to the town square Yuri knew he had to keep moving, but as he leaned against the fountain at the tower's center, trying to summon his strength, he heard a voice whisper him, <laughs> whisper to him, do not go. Yuri didn't know if the voice was real, only that he couldn't move his feet another step. My uncle will find me here, he thought, and this is where I will die. For he knew that no one would intervene. They never had before. In the long months Yuri had been in Novokurbirsk, they had always turned away, pretending not to see his bruises or hear his cries. The old man is harmless, they said. Some boys need more discipline than others. Yuri looked down the street to where the dry dock stood, the fold a high wall of seething shadow beyond it. He had to move, but again he heard the voice telling him, Do not go. That was when the shadows seemed to move. The fold shifted and swelled as if it were gathering breath. And then it was rushing toward him, a wall of darkness. It swallowed the dry docks, the buildings beyond. It flooded over the houses of Novokribirsk. Yuri heard screaming all around him, but he was unafraid. The shadow tide rushed all the way up to the toes of Yuri's boots, and there it stopped. He could hear the weeping of people trapped inside the fold, their sudden agony as they were torn apart by Volkra. He wondered briefly if he could hear his uncle. Then he fell upon his knees and gave thanks to the darkness. That day, half of Novokrabirsk was lost when the Darkling expanded the fold. Many cursed the man responsible for this cruelty and celebrated his death when it finally came. But there are others who worship him still, the Starless One, patron saint of those who seek salvation in the dark. Thank you. <laughs> um, so I, I just, I love that story so much. Uh-huh. I think it's written amazing. So I felt like I needed to read it because I didn't think me trying to even describe that would work. Incredible. Mm-hmm. Like, I, I think it's incredible. So before we start talking about it, let's take a look at that illustration. Okay. So we've got... So this is a really cool picture. It, it is. It's very dark and brooding. However, it is... You can see more in this one than you can... Like, I love the image of... We've got the Darkling mm-hmm. there. Um, and 
He's standing in front of something that you can tell the background, I'm guessing, is Oz Alta yeah. or, yeah. Um, there's a Volcra, like, right above his head, and then, like, the arms are spreading out. Mm-hmm. I love that you see the shadow. I love that Kefta is incredible. That hood, come on style. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's got, like, a collar thing going on it that's kind of cool. The collar, the hood, yeah. um, it's incredible um i love it and i imagine it to be like velvet too which yes exactly just, mm. yeah and it's just it looks so cool yeah um and then at the very bottom you see um the his sign i mean the the, the symbol for the starless saint which is the sun and eclipse eclipse yeah so really cool photo um however i did want to point something out i wanted to see if you thought the same thing Okay, so look at that face in that picture. And then, where is the other? Wait, I'll have to keep looking. There was, um, I feel like that face looks similar to one of the other saints that I saw. And I just I can't remember which one. Oh, yeah, it was St. Gregory of the Wood. The, yeah. Like, if you look at this picture of his face and then look at this of St. Gregory, don't they look very similar? Yeah. I know they're not the same person, but... Anyways. I mean, it's the same artist, so yeah, it makes sense that it would look fairly similar. Okay, so let's talk. We got a lot. Um, moral of the story: um, this <laughs> is a cool story. I, I yeah, I think it's just a fun story. It's just a fun like uh, background kind of story. It is. And by the way, hearing Ben Barnes read this <laughs> is the most amazing thing I'm ever. Have to, I'm gonna have to hear it. Oh, it's so good. Yeah, it's so good. Um. I think this is incredible just because we get this background and understanding of Yuri. For me, when I when we started when we got introduced to Yuri, when we got introduced to the Starless Saints, like I always was so confused. I was like, I don't like I understood what Yuri was saying, but I was like, why where did this come from? Yet this story paints this beautiful image for me. Like, I mean, I an image that stands out in my head is the fact that when the fold stopped and it was right at his toes, you have to imagine like he's standing there. That means he's like, his nose is almost touching the fold, Mm -hmm. but it stopped there. And like, so like, and he's hearing all that stuff. Of course he like the saints answered his prayers. However, I, who do you think that voice was? I have, Okay, so I thought that for a while. However, I don't think so because I think the Darkling was, during that time, he was in the fold trying to fight with Alina and all that stuff. I think that might have been Sancta Elisabetta trying to, like, get him started. I don't know. That's a one of my just random theories. I have no, like, fact on why that would be. I just feel like... It could be. Um, so, as I was doing research again, <laughs> mm, okay. Um, the theory is is that Lee had Yuri's backstory in mind as she was writing, um, even the book where, uh, like a King of Scars, uh, because when Zoya visits Nova Kribirs, because when she said the fold expands up to the mountain on the main square. Yep. So. The theory goes is that she had Yuri's backstory already planned out before she wrote King of Scars. 
um, and that the Darkling had preemptively like set up Yuri as his backup plan in case of defeat. Mm. Because like we know that he can manipulate people like mind talk and like we heard him in Alina's head. Yeah. And so um so the theory goes is that that was him and Yuri's head like setting him up for later. Okay. So like as it's it's like his comeback. Yeah. I I hear it. I do like my idea that it's Elizabeth though. Just saying. I love that. Um <laughs> but I this is an amazing story. It's just it's so cool because we just you understand now where that passion for trying to make the Darkling a saint was. He saved his life. And you feel like so much, like I felt so bad for Yuri reading this. Like, I mean, we've all like, I felt like I related to Yuri more than I ever have reading this story. Um, just because I've always felt like, I, I felt like him a lot, like in an outsider in situations and, you know, sometimes people picking on you and yeah, but I just, I think it's a lovely story. I thought it was really cool the way it was written. And I love that it involves history that we know. Mm -hmm. um, and it's just really cool. So love the story. I'm sure everybody else like loved it as well. Um, it was definitely my favorite out of all of these. <laughs> so, because it's, is, is there anything else we're leaving out? I mean, like Easter eggs or anything. I mean, this is just a, there's not really Easter eggs. It's just, it tells us his backstory. I do find it interesting though. Like, I mean, you know, that, well, we know that Zoya's like family was there. I mean, I wonder if like they ran into each other, maybe who knows? Um, anyways, I'll end it there. It was a fantastic crescendo. However, we now have one last saint. We do. We have one last one. And this is just going to be read because it is a short one. And mm -hmm. trying to like shorten an already short. <laughs> yeah, this one is a hard one. It's kind of weird. So, this all right. So we have Saint of the Book. I don't remember my own story. I may have slept in a hayloft or on a feather bed. I may have eaten from silver dishes or stolen scraps from the kitchen. I may have worn summer silks and jewels in my hair. Or maybe I went barefoot and clawed in the dirt, searching for roots, for gold, for shelter. I can't recall. There have been too many stories in between, miracles and martyrdoms, too much blood spilled, too much ink. There was a war. There were a thousand wars. I knew a killer. I knew a hero. They might have been the same man. I remember only how I fell into books, never to rise from their pages. How I was never truly awake until I began to dream of other worlds. I wander now, lost among the shelves. My hand cramps around the pen. I gather dust. But someone has to set down the words, put them in the proper order. I am the library and the librarian, hoarding lives, a catalog for the faithful. Erase my name. Indelible is a word for stories. End. Beautiful. So, again, before we discuss everything, let's look at the illustration. Yeah. And I changed my mind. This is one of my this is also one of my favorite because it's beautiful. Well, I have issues with it, so we'll get to what? That. Okay. <laughs> well, I'll let you start so talking about illustration. Yeah. <laughs> um. Clearly, it's Lee yes. writing the lives of saints. Yep. I mean, that's. It looks like her. It's her, and the book is it's literally the, yes. the cover of this yeah. book. But it's kind of like. 
in olden times, like with the candle and it is. So yeah. And see, I love that because I feel like Lee was, you know, these are her stories, mm-hmm. but to she sees herself in a lot of characters. Yeah. Um, obviously, they're a big part. Like all these characters are a part of her. But I think here we get to see Lee, who she is, inside this world. And I think that's an amazing thing to see. I I would have loved to seen or heard her reaction to this this image. Just because I feel like it just, it. I don't know, it would bring me to tears if I had. I just think it's kind of cool. Yeah. Okay. So... I was done with that. I was going to let you lead. I'm sorry. I keep talking. <laughs> no, it's fine. Okay. So, um, I may be in the minority here, but this book was supposed to have been redacted by Rothkin monks. So it's supposed to be like a meta book, basically. It's supposed What's to a be meta like, book? like, uh, an adjacent, like a book within a book. Like this is part of yes. the Grisha verse. And mm-hmm. it's also, you know, also, um, like language of thorns. It's supposed to be like, it's written part of, the world like this book was supposed to be written by like Rothkin monks. It was, um, you know, what parents told their kids. And, um, so the first issue I have is that that kind of takes me out of the fact hmm. that it was supposed to have be written by monks and it was part of whatever. Um, so, and then kind of the other, like, eh, is that if it was written by Rothkin monks, it's weird that like the shoe were presented in such a good light, that witch hunts were um, talked about uh, progressively. Um, so I don't know. Like I don't, I don't look at it as like the fondness that I guess a lot of people look at it because to me, like this doesn't match up with everything else. I get it, and I actually I I felt that way for a very long time um, until I started to like I think it's all in the way you look at it. Um, so this is a very old book. This is a book that I mean, it was written way before we begin Shadow and Bone. But Supposed- Alina is in it. But, but Yuri Al- is in it. <laughs> exactly. I know. So what my thoughts are on that is like you know. History happens and pages get added to things. Right, but if you if in the books, like in the in the Grisha verse series, this book was supposed to have been written by like Ravkin monks. Yeah, having that last chapter of like the saint of the book, and the way that the stories are written very progressively, it takes me out of it. Like it doesn't. Really? It hmm. doesn't. Hmm. It doesn't engross me because I'm like, wait a minute, that's not accurate to the rest of the series and then if it's supposed to be written by Rothkin monks but now we have the saint of the book that wrote the story like that it just doesn't match up and it like it I can't say that word I want to say but it messes with my brain it my brain goes eh and so it's like when you're watching a movie and like you're really engrossed in it but then there's this other movie that's like there's things that are wrong. And so now all you're doing is like, you're not focused on the movie. You're not focused on like all these inaccuracies and whatever. So that's what this kind of does for me. So what are the inaccuracies that you're talking about? Like, I mean, throughout the book, like, I mean, I, 
are you saying like it's it's just that it was written very progressively because rock and monks if this is a really old book we would be we wouldn't be talking about the shoe people like they were great we we probably wouldn't be talking about shoe people at all first of all and then like witch hunts would have been a good thing (laughs) but in this book they're a bad thing so it's it just doesn't like this is it's way too it's written way too modern to be a part of like if it's supposed to be this ancient text that monks written that do we, monks wrote. Do we have a quote that said like this was written by ancient monks, specifically Ravkin monks? Like because I I don't know. To me, I feel like it actually adds up because of its stories and like I mean they're all and since we know some stories and they're different versions of it. That's how I feel like it does make sense because there are always these like convoluted stories. Um, I understand what you're saying. Absolutely. I, I get it. I just think that it, I don't know to me. I I know I would be in the minority, but my brain works differently <laughs> than a lot of people's. Honey, um, a lot of people had that same <laughs> issue though. You're not the only person that thinks that because I mean, it's, it's a great standalone fun yeah. book. But I don't think that it works as the book it's supposed to be in the series, if that makes sense. It does. See, and what, for instance, like an example of how I feel like this book works, it's like a history book in those times that they would keep adding to. To me, when now since we've read the end, we we finished Rule of Wolves, and now we finish this, to me this shows that the Darkling definitely became a saint because he got put in this book. Um, and that's what, that's one thing that I see, you know, that I made a, con- that's, so I think, I guess I understand exactly how you feel because I felt it for so long. And then I just had to change my brain into thinking, well, history books often are added to. And- no, the, the added to isn't like the issue. It's okay. just, it, it's just, modern- it just doesn't work. As what it's supposed to be. Okay. Like, as it's described in the series, it's not that. It's it's way too modern to be what it's described to be. Too and worldly. Then, and then if it's supposed to be written by monks, to have that chapter on Lee writing it takes you out of being immersed into it. Because it was supposed to be written by monks, but now there's this chapter of uh, of Lee yeah like I, so i i get it it's fine like it's it's per, it, it's it's a fun it's it's a fun standalone book i have no problems with it my my only issue is that it's not as it's described in the series yeah it's hard i i get it um and honestly like i think that this last chapter saint of the book is literally just fun for us. Like, I mean, I just think it's like, I mean, I don't think that this was included in it. I don't no, know. No, 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 that's not. Yeah. I just mean for us as readers now, mm-hmm. that takes you out of the mystical fantasy world hmm. because it's like, you know, here's the author. Oh, <laughs> well, it's like the, it's like, uh, you know, Wizard of Oz. <laughs> the the man behind the curtain. Well, yeah. Oh, oh it's just a it's a person. 
But I mean, like it does, like obviously, like it's just suppose, like I mean, it's just supposedly Lee. Like I mean, we know it. Like I mean, it's it could. Like I mean, maybe maybe it's saying that. Like I mean, there was a woman that wrote it. I mean, it, did you look up the word indelible? By the way, yes, I did too, <laughs> because I was trying to figure out that last sentence. Erase my name. Indelible is a word for stories. So. Since you're the one covering this, I should let you say it. What do you think that means? <laughs> it means that, um, like, authors come and go, but the stories will last forever. Yeah. And I think, like, it, it shows me that, like, this book was written, like, it's not going to, the stories are, like, it's the history, it's history. These, um, these marks will not be removed, um, not forgotten. Um, anyways. So, did you know that there was a saint that was mentioned in the book a few times that was not in that book? Sankt Lubrov. He was mentioned a few times in the series and... As in as being in here? No, but like as oh. a saint that like they talked about. Okay. And he wasn't in the, gotcha. wasn't in the book. He was talked about most in like King of Scars. Hmm. Um, it was like the, the miracle of Rivost... With a massive earthquake. Gotcha. Um, but. Well, and that I'm okay with because, I mean, I think. No, any, it's fine. Yeah. I just, it was just a fun trivia. Oh, yeah. Like, hey, there was a saint that we don't have a story for. I think there's a lot probably. <laughs> did we get, did we even like figure out all of Inesh's knives in here? Um, I don't know. Yeah, I don't know either. We might, I, we might have to go back and look at that. Or I might, just because I'm <laughs> intrigued by it. But, girl, I get you. I do get what you're saying. Um, and I don't think you're alone in the way you feel at all. Because, to be honest, when I read this, I I didn't... At first, I didn't like... I was like, wait, why is Alina in here? That was my first huge hurdle that I had to get through. I was like, Alina's in here, but yet she reads this book before she becomes right. anything. Yeah, that's fine. That, the additions to it are not my problem. I was just saying what mine was yeah. in the beginning. Yeah. But. So, Inez's Knives, Sankt Peter. Okay. He was in there. Sancta Alina. Okay. Sancta Maria. Sancta Anastasia. Yep. Sancta Vladimir. Yep. Or Sancta Vladimir. And Sancta Elisaveta are the only ones that were named. Okay. Well, they all made it in. Yep. So, at least that, mm-hmm. hey, that's cool. Yeah. Well, maybe there's a lost edition somewhere. <laughs> maybe Ismrude's reading it. You the, know what? The King James version. I want Sankt Ismrude's story because he is like the true saint <laughs> of Ravka. Okay, so fantastic. We did. Um, yay! That was good. Yes, I, another book down. Yeah, and I loved it. I I love all that extra stuff. Okay, so. It's that special time for... Grishy 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 Snooze! (laughs) Ah, that was beautiful. So... I was going to beat you to it. You did. You were were right there. You got it. (laughs) So let's now go live to our very own Grisha in the field... Alex. Hi, Alex. Hi, guys. Thank you so much. I do have a little bit of news for everyone. We do have a 
casting. It is just a rumor, but Vasily, or Prince Vasily, I always call him Vasily because it reminds me of Vaseline, but Prince Vasily is going to be played by Edward Davis. There's some posts circulating, nothing has been said official, but that is something that's going around. And also, if you check IMDb, there's two other actors that you will see. So, yee! I'm excited. See ya! Okay. Well, I'm... That was fantastic. Um, thank you, Alex, for the news. So, we really don't have anything else except just to discuss what we're doing next week, yes. right? Yeah, so... Get ready, peeps. We are going to start the language of thorns. Yes. Midnight Tales and Dangerous Magic. Yes. This is a fantastic book. If you don't know what it is, this is the fairy tales, supposedly, that are characters that we've read about read when they were younger. Um, So this is just their version of the Grimm's fairy tales, kind of, is what I think about. Um, So we're going to begin with the first story. Um, which is Ayama in the Thornwood, and it's pages 1 through 49, but it's a, if you don't, if you only are going to purchase this on, like, your Kindle, I definitely suggest you look this up and see, like, what it actually looks like in softback and hardcover, um, because the art in this book is incredible the way it's done it's um it really is something beautiful we'll talk about it next week i'll leave it as a su- surprise for those of you that haven't seen it um i definitely would recommend picking this up and you know set the kindle down because this one's definitely worth actually reading i actually am reading it yeah that way so okay well exciting okay well we love you guys and we'll see you next time long live the Grishaverse. Like, we're at the end of the hour, so my voice is a little husky. It was. No mourners. No funerals. This has been GrishaCast. Connect with us on the web at GrishaCast.com. Send an email to info at GrishaCast.com. Follow us on Instagram, Twitter, Facebook, YouTube, TikTok, at GrishaCast. Ooh, and... Thank you to our lovely staff, Chris, Alex, Sid, Michelle, and Chloe. 